Hello, I'm your host, Elliot Gotts of the Gotts to Listen podcast. Thanks for checking us out. Today I'm going to be talking with my student, Rachel, and we're going to be talking about the mental health of a teenage student. We're going to be talking about the ways that students can find support amongst their peers. We're going to be talking about the way schools can support students and the value of some school counselors. Without any further ado, thanks for checking it out. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi. Thank you for joining me. It's awesome. I'm excited to have you. This is our second little episode, and you're in the same class as Claire, who was on the first one. And we are talking about mental health awareness, mental health of a teenager, and you brought me a pin with the semicolon on here that your mom made, so thank you very much. I really appreciate that. I'm going to find some way to keep this in my classroom somewhere. Okay. It's very, very awesome. So the first thing that let's just generally kind of talk about is how excited you were to volunteer to be a part of this. Yes. Uh, are you a big fan of podcasts? Yeah, I don't watch or listen to as many as I would like to, but yes, I do enjoy them. How did you start getting into podcasts? Because I don't know a lot of teenagers that are into podcasts. It started when I sort of ran out of music to listen to when I would go running in the summer, so I just picked up some podcasts. So listen to that would go the amount of time I wanted to run. Okay, so you could time it to your podcast? Yeah. Okay. And what were some of those first podcasts that you got into for anybody that's Um, looking to listen to some new podcasts? I listened to a lot of uh, murder mystery podcasts, and the first one I listened to was a podcast about John F. Kennedy, so I don't really listen to, like, typical ones that students would usually listen to. Okay. Well, you know... My wife listens to murder mystery podcasts too, so I'm sure that she could relate to that very much. But you had a list of topics that you could choose from, and the one that you chose was mental health of a teenager. Mm -hmm. What is it about this topic that really resonates with you and that you feel so impassioned by? Well, my family has a history of um, being diagnosed with mental health diagnosis. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. You're good. Um, So... It's always been talked about very openly in my house, and uh, it's always just been something I've been very aware of, and when I saw that on the list, I said that's the one that I think I'd be able to really understand and talk about. Okay. Since you have family that has brought this as an important issue to you, in general, do you think that for a teenager that their mental health is treated or looked at similarly as adults' mental health, or do you think that there's a disparity between the two? Like, how do you see the way a teenager's mental health is verbalized, looked at, as opposed to adults? Well, I feel as if a teenager's mental health is sort of brushed off in the sense that if somebody goes to their parent and says, I've been sad for a long time, you know, I just, I don't feel myself, all this, you know, the parent might say, it's just a phase, you know, everybody has bad days or it's just hormones. So if they go to their parent, their trusted adult, and their trusted adult just sort of waves them aside, Mm -hmm. they're not really gonna wanna go back there. Mm -hmm. So I feel it's brushed off in the sense that it's just not taken as seriously as it is with adults. So it is, I feel, treated very differently. Do you feel as though, you know, 
because mental health is important. Teenagers do struggle with a lot of mental health issues. And you're discussing possible outcomes of being rejected when being discussed, right? Do you think that teenagers have a really hard time opening up to trusted people? I mean, do you think that, you know, if they go to somebody once, let's say it's their mom or dad, and they say, well, you're just having a bad day, do you think that it's very easy for them to shut down and feel like the amount of people that they can open up to continues to shrink? Yes. Uh, I feel if you take depression, for example, a lot of the times it leads to thoughts like, oh, I'm not worth fighting for, I, I, you know, I'm not worth it. And so if they go to someone and try and tell them about this and that person just waves them aside, they're going to say, oh, well, even my family doesn't think I'm worth fighting for. So I think that it once if somebody they love brushes them aside, it just they start to think that less and less people care enough about them to listen to them. And what do you think are some of the major mental health issues that teenagers struggle with? Anxiety is definitely one of them, especially going into high school. There's a lot of things that really start to matter. Yeah, definitely anxiety, depression, even ADD or ADHD, just having a hard time focusing or sitting still or really paying attention. You know, along with really all three of those issues that you bring up, how do you think kids, uh, when I say kids, I mean teens, how do you think teenagers' access to social media plays a role on that? Because, you know, even with the ADD that you bring up, it's so easy for us to just, I'm bored for 10 seconds, let me refresh my Snapchat. Or yeah. So how do you think that uh, teenagers' access to social media plays a role in these in mental health? Well, a lot of the times, because it's so easy to just pick up your phone and look at it when you ever, whenever you have a few minutes, you know, they start to see people's uh, Instagram feeds or whatever and you know they think oh well my life isn't like that you know my life isn't perfect or whatever so what they're doing is comparing their behind the scenes to somebody else's highlight reel mm -hmm. that isn't my quote but I saw it and it's I really liked quote. it it's hey, a good I, quote I agree with so. you a lot it's a good quote so a lot of the times I feel they compare and even I do it too we compare ourselves to other people but it's not the full story there's that aspect of it but also you hear so many stories of online bullying through social media and I think social media plays a part in both the victim's life and the bully's life. A lot, some, uh, maybe sometimes the bully doesn't exactly know how to cope with what's going on at home or how they're feeling so they use social media as an outlet to feel powerful. So there's that aspect but then the victim they don't always know how to maybe it's harder for them to just shut off social media and just delete all the apps. And it's harder to do that once you've got like a routine of just going through it. And if you feel badly about yourself, maybe you, if you always feel like you are wrong, mm -hmm. you're never right. And you go on social media and you see people telling you that you're not worth it. And you start to feel like you're not worth it. You don't want to be wrong so I guess it's sort of like a vicious cycle you go you they tell you that you're not worth it you feel that way and you don't want to feel like you're wrong in that part so you don't want people to tell you that you are worth it because then you'd be wrong gotcha does that make sense yeah how does somebody your age learn about what mental health is, how mental health affects somebody, because I think that when I was growing up, I know that we didn't talk about mental health. You know, you would have a lot of people that would act moody or they'd have a bad day, but to understand mental health as a whole isn't really something that I think we were aware of at your age as your generation is. So how do 
teenagers and people your age learn about the concept of mental health, nevertheless how to treat mental health? Well, I know that we talk about it in school. The counselors will come into our classes and they'll just talk a little bit about signs that could lead to mental health diagnosis or just how to help people who have been diagnosed. But I feel as if it's not talked about enough. Counselors come in, you know, they they do a great job of talking about it, but a lot of kids in my grade and in early high school it's just not something that they are super interested in learning about, so they don't always pay attention, and they don't usually go home to their parents. Some of them do, I'm sure, but not all of them. Don't, most of them don't go home to their parents and talk about this sort of thing, so there's really no like outside source that they can get information from. So really the only way you can learn is by forcing, some, not, well, forcing someone to sit through a conversation about it. So one of the things that you had just said is you don't think that a lot of students will talk about it much because they might not be interested in it. Mm-hmm. Do you think that they're not interested in it because they are, I don't know if denial is the right word, but they don't feel like it affects them in some way? Or do you think that they may recognize something in themselves that they're ashamed of? Like, Where do you think that this lack of interest comes from knowing that you know, you being the same age as your peers, this is something that you're aware of that's mm-hmm. important to you. So where do you think that that disparity comes from? Definitely from thinking it doesn't affect them. If they they might not be diagnosed with something, but maybe their friend is or their family member is. So I think that and, and if they don't know that they know somebody who's been diagnosed, then they don't think about it. So if they're sitting through a seminar or a presentation, then they're going to think, oh, well, I don't know anybody who has a mental health diagnosis. I, I'm fine, so, I mean, why, why pay attention if it doesn't affect me? But I do, I never thought about the denial part. That is, that's interesting. Yeah, that could be it, too. I didn't think yeah. about that. And I think that the next thing that I want to talk about with this, there there's a word that I would use, which is the word shame. Like this idea of shame kind of ties into denial. You know, you had mentioned our counselors here, and I know that we have two fantastic counselors who do a really great job with our students here. Mm-hmm. And one of the strategies is talk therapy. Are you somebody who has either gone through or has a friend who may have gone through it where you could share some insight into its benefits for people that may be nervous about speaking to a counselor? I've definitely spoken to a counselor, although it's not in the, not necessarily because I wanted to just express feelings. It's not necessarily been about this topic. Mm But I have had friends who have struggled with, you know, just thoughts and feelings that they've had. People that I've talked to who have gone to a counselor said, some of them said it really helped and some of them said it didn't. So I think it depends mostly on your personality and just the personality of the counselor. Because if you're somebody who you don't like to talk about things and the counselor, you know, maybe really want, they always want you to open up to get to the root of why you're feeling this way. Mm -hmm. But it's hard if you don't like opening up or if you're just afraid to or not used to it so I think it really depends on the personality of both people. Do you think that there is a negative or an embarrassing stigma around speaking to a counselor? 
Um, for like your age group, because I feel like for a lot of adults, that idea vanishes. But do you feel like at your age, there are kids that feel embarrassed about speaking to a counselor, or do you feel like they're pretty well on board with it? I think, yeah, I think that there definitely there's definitely a little bit of uh, shame in talking to a counselor. You know, it's like. I feel like a lot of the times it's like if kids ask for help after for schoolwork, you know, tutoring. It's like you don't want anybody to know that you're having problems or whatever, so you don't want to, because then you think that they'll judge you. Mm-hmm. So I think, and there is definitely a huge stigma around a mental health diagnosis. So I, I, yeah, I definitely think that it's it's hard for people to you know let others know that they're getting help how, from a counselor. How do you? I think we make that a more comfortable environment for people because obviously we want people to get help. We know how beneficial counseling can be for somebody. I mean, how, how do you think that we get in an in a age group, you know, you look at 8th grade through 12th grade, you know, mm-hmm. some of these kids can be nice, but some of them deal with a lot of bullying and a lot of issues. So how do you think we can get more people to feel comfortable in an environment like that? Honestly, talk about it a bit more. I know that I talked about, you know, making sure it's discussed more often already, but I definitely think that that would be huge if people got used to the idea, uh, just used to the fact that there are people who have been diagnosed with a medical health, I don't want to say issue, but essentially. Diagnosis. Yeah, a diagnosis. So I think if we just, if we were able to understand that it that it does happen and that there are people out there. If people, if we just got comfortable with it, then we wouldn't be so like shy about it. What is something that you wish that, because this kind of all ties together, so what is something that you wish that schools would be able to do that would help advocate for teen and their mental health? I mean, I know that we have counselors in school mm-hmm. and whatnot, but what is, do you have any ideas for, you know, even those kids that may need help but are too shy or embarrassed to do so, is there anything you think schools could do to help make that easier? Yeah, I think one important thing, and it's not just the schools, it's also the people in the schools, is reaching out to people that you don't don't know or that, you know, maybe you know their names or, hey, that's the kid that sits behind me in, you know, third hour. Uh, Reach out to them, you know, say hi, have a friendly conversation every once in a while because even though it may not seem like a big deal to you, it could be an insanely huge thing to that person. You You could potentially save them from a lot of hurt. One of the things that our school does every year, and I know, you know, we live in a COVID world, but we always do mix it up lunch once mm-hmm. a year. And I always have so many kids that roll their eyes or they seem so disinterested in it. But an idea like mix it up lunch totally ties into what you're talking about. Yeah. Why do you think that there's so much blowback from students feeling so aggravated about having to, for one day, sit with a group of people that they don't usually talk to and get to know somebody, why do you think that kids aren't more accepting of that? Well, I think a lot of it is, you know, you're not, you come to school, you know, you have things to worry about, grades and all that stuff, and at lunch you just want to be able to relax and have, talk with your friends and have fun. So when you get mixed it up lunch and maybe they're not always sitting with their friends, it's like, oh, well, this is, this is stupid. You know, I, I want to talk with my friends, lunch is my decompression time at school just to relax a little bit. So I think a lot of it's just them not wanting to get out of habit or them just wanting to decompress a little bit. What about, since we're talking about school a lot right now, what about homework and how do you think that 
homework ties into a student's mental health? A couple ways. For some people, school is an escape. It's a, you know, you, you focus on your work and gives you something to actually think about other than how you feel about yourself. So when you get homework, you're like, sweet, now I go home, I have something to do, and I'm not worried about how, what other people think of me. But for a lot of it, you know, for some other people, it's they come to school, they're like, great, I'm, I have to do schoolwork, and now I have all of these thoughts about myself and what other people think of me, so I can't focus on my schoolwork. So then they get home, and there's even more of it to do, and then they, even, they also have a hard time focusing, especially because it's not in a classroom, it's at their home, and who knows what their home life could be, so. And with this week being our final exams week, what about mental health in terms of stress around final exams? How do you feel about the effect some students have, especially a lot of students that do put a lot of time and effort into studying and they give themselves you know, some anxiety about their performance on a final exam. I mean, can you speak a little bit to your own, do you deal with there being a greater sense of stress around finals? or Definitely. I know I feel a lot more stress around finals because a lot of tests or papers, you know, you can do retakes or rewrites or whatever, but on final exams, since it's so close to the end of the semester, you can't, there's no, no time for that. And because it's a larger chunk of your grade than just a regular test, there's definitely a lot more pressure to do good on a final exam, so I feel like if you start stressing yourself out way too much for a final exam, then you don't do as well on the test because you're so worried about how you're going to do that you just don't do as well. Mm -hmm. um, you're focused on that more than the content of whatever it is you're taking. Uh, I don't have anxiety, but for somebody who does, add pressure onto that, it's just so much worse. So that can, that can just spiral down and lead to other not-so-good things. What would you say is a form of studying that best works for you? Well, I was listening to Claire's podcast, and I guess her and me are kind of similar in ways that we study. Uh, she's mentioned that when she gets home, she wants to go on her phone right away. I let myself do that for about 10 minutes, 20 minutes when I get home, and then usually I plug my phone in and I'll do work. And if it's like mindless work that I don't have to think about, sometimes I'll play some music, but a lot of the time I just plug my phone in, I leave it on the opposite side of the room, and I do some work, and once I've done like two or three classes, I'll pick my phone up for 20 minutes and then I'll go back to doing the rest of my work. Going back to the overall theme of mental health, how do you take care of your mental health? What do you do that helps you? I, I try not to get too involved with things that could make me feel badly about myself. Drama, so to speak, I, I try not to get involved in that. Sometimes it's inevitable, sometimes it does happen, and there's just not a whole lot you can do to stop it. I try really hard to stay away from that. As much as I complain about it, I do actually like going for runs, and a lot of the times that just gets me moving, and that helps a lot too. And then hanging out with friends and family who like I know support me and I know who love me, they just create a good energy for that. Yeah, you know, you're talking about going running and I know, you know, exercise is so important for my own personal mental health. Mm -hmm. it, it took a long time for me to recognize that though. I always tell a lot of people, you know, start exercising when you're in middle school and high school, learn things from your gym class, but then figure out activities that you like to do on your own because it's just, it's not just good for your body, but it's good for your mind and it's good for your soul. And I think that you might have some kids who aren't involved in organized activities, you know, like a baseball team or a football or basketball. And some of those kids are the kids that may go and play a lot of video games. And I don't mm -hmm. think there's anything wrong with video games. I no. enjoy video games. Yeah. 
but I wish that all students understood how important physical health can be tied to mental health. All right, so if anybody listens to this and they need one really good takeaway, what would be one piece of advice that you would give to somebody who is struggling with their mental health? Where would you suggest they start? What is one tip or trick? I'd say build up a community of support on your good days. Everybody has good days. Even if you are struggling to find one, there will be a good day. So on those days that you're feeling great, you know, make new friends or build your relationships with people you already have relationships with. Make them stronger because then you have more people to fall back on on your bad days. And it's harder to usually go out and talk to people when you're not feeling so great. So, so build a community and rely on that community. Mm-hmm. I love that. If it's a good community, they'll expect you to rely on them. Yeah, I love that. And it can go both ways because yeah. then when the community needs you, you could be there for them. Mm-hmm. All right, well, thank you so much for joining me. This was a really great conversation. I had so yes. much fun talking to you because this is a topic that's super important to me also. Yeah. So it was really great to sit down and, and tackle this. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely.